All right, well, I'm Jason. I'm definitely an addict. Uh, Eric, thank you for asking me to come up here. I know when you called me yesterday, I was in the car. My first thought was, fuck no. <laughs> but I never, ever refuse a request, AAHA, it doesn't really matter. Uh, we work in AA program here. The solution is exactly the same, but I am a straight up needle jockey. That's my go-to uh, part-time carpet farmer, a little bit on the weekends, but if it fits in a needle, it is in my arm. And that's just how I roll. Um, I guess a little bit about how I got here because 30 minutes is kind of a long time, but fuck it, full send. Um, <laughs> I actually started using in the Boy Scouts. Yeah. Yeah. So um, among the many awesome things we did, some of us kind of went off and like snuck off in the woods. And that was my, my introduction to marijuana and drinking. And that's kind of how we went every weekend uh, for a little bit and eventually graduated to bigger and better things. But I stuck with that and dabbled in hallucinogens like, you know, mushrooms, molly, fucking ecstasy here and there, whatever. I didn't actually get into heroin until after I had graduated high school. And um, yeah, it was a guy that I used to play soccer with. You know, we were really good friends. And I remember one day I just ran into him, you know, like, you know, dude, like, aren't you supposed to be, you know, still in school and shit like that? And I guess he dropped out of college. He got hooked on pills there met some chick who introduced him to heroin. We all started hanging out. And, you know, if you hang around the barbershop long enough, eventually you're going to get a fucking haircut. In my case, it was a needle in my arm because that's what everybody was doing. So, you know, I had to see what, what, what it was about. And um, I was hooked immediately, you know. Um, the, the first time I was like, equilibrium has been reached. This, the missing piece of the puzzle is, is here, I am complete, you know? I just kind of was like, I didn't give a flying fuck what anybody thought of me at that point. I just felt great. And I ran with it for a while, you know? Like in the beginning, I loved it, you know? I loved getting high. And it, it kind of did its job for a while until it stopped working, you know? Um, dealt it for a very long time. That same dude that, you know, introduced it to me, he ended up going to jail for about two years and yeah that, that was pretty much it i've never really seen him again um back and forth like using not using suboxone maintenance a couple times um my first meeting how i actually got introduced to the rooms i was attempting to go back to school um i remember i was in some fucking english class and i was dope sick as fuck and this chick behind me noticed that like, I was all like scacked out of my mind and we just start like talking and, you know, she finally gets it out of me that like, you know, like I'm, I'm dope sick. And she's like, oh, I'm a heroin addict too. I'm like, yes, you know, this is great. We can go get high together. Except she had like four or five months and she told me about this meeting. And the only reason I actually went to that meeting was because she was kind of hot. Um, <laughs> and, but you know, fake it till you make it, I guess, cause that was my first introduction. It was a speaker meeting. It was an AA meeting. There's probably 150 people there. I got there late. And at the end of it, everybody just stood up, held hands. And I was like, this is the most ridiculous shit. I, 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 what have I gotten myself into? This is, I'm never coming back. Eventually I did two years later uh, after my first 
stint in treatment. I just, I could not do it on my own. You know, it, it, it didn't matter like how many, how many times I fucked over my parents. I cannot tell you how much jewelry, how much money, how many times I've stolen the car, um, all the kinds of janky shit that I've done to get it. Um, pretty much, you know, the list of things that I haven't done is, is much, much shorter than the things that I have. You know, I didn't care. Like I would rob you and help you find it, you know? Um, doesn't matter, you know? And so today, you know, I tend to focus, I try to focus a little bit more on the solution, right? Because again, this story of going back and forth, <clears throat> like Taylor said, I don't know where she went. Um, I don't even know how many treatment centers I've been to. I've been in treatment in Pennsylvania. I've been in treatment in Colorado, Texas, California, probably a few other states that I'm forgetting. Um, again, it doesn't really matter. It's not, you know, this whole, you know, constant in and out cycle that I've been doing it is not a requirement. You never actually have to go out again. Actually, if you don't have any substance in your system right now and you can piss clean, you'll never truly ever have a craving again, right? So I'll always come back to the three parts of, of this disease. We have a, a, a physical allergy, a mental obsession, and a spiritual malady. The spiritual malady part is, is this is the disconnect that I have from the high, my higher power, right? I just choose to call it God because it's way easier. Um, that mental obsession, this is the part where I think that I can shoot dope like a gentleman, okay? So, and I'll, and I'll give you a wonderful example of this, you know, like, like two weeks ago, you know, some shit went down. I was in my feelings, you know, feeling crappy. And I just had this very brief thought that it would be awesome to just, you know, take a little vacation back to Texas, you know, just go hit up the plug while I was there. And then I would come back and nobody would have to know about it. But that's where my thinking takes me. Um, in treatment, at least for me, I would always hear, you know, I'll just play the real forward, you know, like just, you know, you'll see the consequences, just write it down. And it doesn't work for me. It's literally stated in the book that we're not able to bring forth into consciousness how shitty it was a week ago, a couple of months ago, a couple of years ago, whatever, because this disease is just going to lie to us. You know, it's going to tell me that I can use successfully this time around my, you know, family's not going to find out about it. You know, my coworkers, my boss, no, none of that. Like I'm going to go out, do it successfully. And I'm going to wake up the next day and I'm going to have absolutely no desire to get high again. And it never works like that. Because at that point, once I put it in my body, that third part, the physical allergy, this is the part that differentiates us between normal people, right? Normal people can actually fucking use drugs. They like to, normal people like to drink. Okay. Like my parents, they can have a beer and be chill and just walk away and it's all that. But us, if you're anything like me, um, once I put any chemical substance in my body, I have absolutely no control, zero, none. That's my primary focus. I don't care about eating. I don't care about my daughter. I don't care about my family. And I sure as fuck don't care about any of you in this room right now. That's what happens. And I will go to any lengths to get my next fix, regardless of the consequences. I don't care. You know, at this point in, in my sobriety, there's only two reasons that I would ever go out again. And that's if 
I've decided that I'm no longer an addict, which I would then can have convinced myself that I could use successfully like a gentleman, or I want to die or the, or a combination of the two. And that's a really shitty place to be in. Um, you know, for those of us who are new in the rooms and you're in treatment or you're in sober living and you don't want to be here, welcome. Cause I sure as shit didn't want to be here. <laughs> like my first couple times around, you know, and there's days now where I, I still don't want to be here. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do this. I, there's just shit that I don't want to do. And so I started switching my perspective, right? Um, I get to go to work. Uh, I get to be of service. Uh, I like to start my mornings off with um, on awakening or pages 60 to 63, sometimes 417, uh, 86, 88. Basically what this does is it puts me in a position to be of maximum service to somebody else, okay? Because my entire life um, was all about me, right? Like what I could do to make more money, what I could do to get laid, what I could do to, you know, all these just things outside of myself, um, all these whatever glamorous bullshit, you know, the house, car, family, all of that. But at the end of the day, like none of that really matters. Um, there is nothing outside of, of God, basically, that's going to really fill the void. So what does it is when I'm working with other people or I'm in a meeting like this, right? Uh, especially when we're sharing. Um, you know, there was a point where I didn't ever want to raise my hand. I didn't want to share, but you know, now like this is what 15, 20, 30 minutes, however, hell I'm going to, however long I'm going to speak for that. I no longer have to occupy space in my own head, meaning the shitty committee gets a chance to shut the fuck up because all that's going on is like, you know, I'm just constantly thinking about what I'm going to say, what I'm going to do, but when I actually get up here. No, I just kind of let it happen. And I just literally ask God, like, just, just speak through me, I guess, you know, and the rest happens as it's, you know, as it should. I mean, I came out here about three and a half years ago from a treatment center in Texas. It was called Great Oaks. And I'd love to tell you that I have three and a half years clean and that's not the case, you know, again, um, as my sponsor likes to put it, payroll and pussy. Those are the two things that take me out. So relationships, money. Um, I am great at giving everybody else advice and I can't take my own. Um, so what, what usually happens is I'll find a girl and substitute that for my higher power. And I'll, I'll talk about God just a little bit because um, I think it's something that's not really talked about enough or often enough. You know, we come in here and it's just like, okay, basically, you know, here's this list on the wall. We suggest you do it. And if you do it, you know, thoroughly and you keep doing it on a daily basis, you never have to go out again. Okay, cool. Great. Well, I had a problem with this whole God thing, right? Because I grew up Catholic and I had it basically shoved up my ass. So my perception of God is, is it stupid? Um, I remember the church that my parents went to, it smelled like shit and I wanted nothing to do. Like, it's just, it just didn't really jive with me. It was years later until my perception gradually changed to where it is radically different than, you know, what it was growing up. In fact, basically 
to kind of summarize uh, what my sponsor did with me um, when I came around again for like the umpteenth time is had me make a list, right? Um, it's basically God is, God is not. Okay, on the, on the God is side, we kind of have a list of character assets, right? So, you know, certain things that are, I, I would consider like good, like loving, tolerant, kind, um, going a little bit deeper, like universal, um, omnipotent, you know, things that are beyond my power. So that would be kind of like things that describe my higher power, because I can't really tell you what God is or isn't because that kind of puts it in a box and makes it finite right so again more focusing on that list of of character assets or god's will on the other side my will or what god isn't is all the shit that i would consider the character defects so parts where i'm a liar i'm a thief i'm a cheater i'm a manipulator um you know i'm you know angry i'm bitter you know when somebody parks their car in front of my bay at the shop that I work at. And my first thought is who the fuck do you think you are because you're blocking my car that I'm trying to back out. I stop and pause and realize, well, this guy probably really doesn't know what he's doing and he probably needs help. And that, that gives me an opportunity, again, going back to my readings in the morning where I get to live in God's will, okay? And the more time I spend in God's will and not in my will, things start to change. So instead of being pissed off, you know, I'll, I'll look at, I'll start acting more loving or I, or I won't judge this person. And when I start doing these things, everything in my life starts to change, right? I, I start not living in fear. Um, I stop worrying about money. Uh, I stop worrying about being in a relationship or not being in a relationship or, or whatever, like, all of that stuff starts to become kind of irrelevant, you know? Um, that goes back to like the night step promises when we're halfway through and we start getting these things. You know, I always thought that they were materialistic things. Um, that is not the case. It literally means that the God of my understanding just, you know, provides exactly what I need. And when I hand it over to, to him or it, it just falls in place exactly as it should be. And when I stop controlling the show, again, um, even if my motives are good and, you know, I'm out there trying to control these little things and stuff like that, inevitably I'm going to fuck shit up, right? Um, because that's just the nature of how things are. Uh, but when I, when I let go and I have faith that things are just going to work out, they do. You know, it's incredible how much energy we waste trying to plan the outcome in the future, right? It just doesn't work. I know for me, what that looked like was a house up in Lake Tahoe, six acres, two golden retrievers, a couple of speedboats, some fancy sports cars. And there's no God in any of that. There's no solution in any of that, you know, and it doesn't work. Um, it absolutely does not work. And I don't know, man. I'm just really grateful to be here today. I'm really grateful to get to share with, with you guys um, just kind of a little bit of my story because, you know, it's it's been full of ups and downs. Um, also, I'd like to reiterate that I am definitely not perfect and I do not by any means work a perfect program. It's just, you know, 
I do this to the best of my ability, right? I do, I try to be a little bit better than I was the day before. Um, you know, if I have a thousand choices to make today and I do 999 of them all completely fucked off and in my will, if one choice I make is to not use, then I won, right? And so the next day I could do 998 fucked off things and it gets me an opportunity to do maybe two things as long as one of them is not picking up. Um, I don't know, if you struggle with the whole God concept thing, welcome, dude. It, again, it was just, it was a very, very, very long and gradual process to what it is now. Um, I know you probably heard that expression like, oh, you can use the fucking doorknob or whatever, but I'm pretty sure they were kind of referencing the doorknob to the rooms of AA as a collective conscience. But, you know, it can, it can literally be whatever you want it to be. Um, the other thing that I'd like to kind of like touch on as well is really doing this for yourself. Um, I know some of us come into treatment and we do this for loved ones or family or whatever that actually doesn't work. Um, you know, like I, I'd love to sit here and say, yeah, I'm doing this for my daughter who just turned two. Well, at any point she could get taken away from me, you know, at any point, my ex-fiance could go back out again. You know, I could lose my parents. I could, you know, whatever. Um, you've literally just set yourself up for failure. I uh, just one giant ass massive resentment, you know? Um, yeah, dude, it's just, it's pretty simple. We just like to overcomplicate the fuck out of this, you know? So like, again, if you're new, um, you truly are the most important person in, in these rooms, the newcomer. Can't do it without you, you know? It's, it's how I get to pay it forward, right? You know, we were all new at some point. I was new 12 years ago, you know? And I heard somebody share and picked up a little bit of what they had to say and, you know, basically just shared it to another group of people, right? So everything that I'm telling you, um, that's out of the book um, is my interpretation from it and probably something that I've heard from somebody else that I'm literally just reiterating. So nothing that comes out of my mouth is original, okay? So it's already, you know, been spewed by some other asshole who was, you know, who heard it from somebody else and so on and so forth. And that's kind of the amazing thing about this program is just like the, the ripple effect that it has, you know? We don't know like exactly how we're gonna affect somebody. I love it when my sponsees, you know, call me and they're just like, I literally have nothing good to say. You don't know that, you know? You sharing in this room how, you know, fucking horrible life is and how shitty your sober living is or how you want to get high you have no idea how much that affects me in a good way right I had a sponsee that just went out again and passed away and even in death that still affects me you know I'll, I'll look at it as just like that could be me right now you know not to be kind of shitty about it but it is what it is, it sucks, and inevitably it's gonna happen. These are the consequences of what happens when we take our will back. But I was privileged to walk him through the 12 steps of AA. And in doing so, that process got me out of myself. And even though he's not here, I still remember that. And so 
it's just one of the little secrets they never tell you is that as a sponsor, I'll probably get a little bit more out of the whole process than the sponsee ever does until they get to a point where they're able to sponsor somebody else. Likewise, my sponsor probably gets a little bit more out of it than I do. And that's just how the process is, you know? Um, it's amazing, it's beautiful. And um, yeah, dude, we've all got a lot of baggage. We've all got a lot of fucked up shit. We've all got, you know, some serious scars, but um, yeah, I guess I'll close with this. Your, your scars are beautiful. Um, you know, I'm Jason. I'm still a fucking needle jockey, so thanks for letting me share.